Welcome yep. to Church and Other Drugs, though. <laughs> ah, my name is Jed. Uh, today, for the introductory portion, I'm joined by Dan Smotzakotal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Smotza. Um, uh, from the system is down, and uh, you may know him from such podcasts as. <laughs> you remember uh, Troy McClure from The Simpsons? Yes. You might know me from such podcasts as The System is Down, Anti-News, and Rotten Potatoes Movie Reviews. Troy McClure. Troy McClure. <laughs> this, <laughs> man, Phil Hartman. What? That's a crying shame. Who? What? Is that a joke? No, it, it's not. I'm Phil, bad with names. Phil, oh, Phil Hartman, the comedian who ver- voiced Troy McClure. Okay. His wife killed you, him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I you remember that. You remember yeah. that? Yep, I do. I no. think it was a murder-suicide, wasn't it? Something's... Uh, I don't know if it was a suicide, but yeah, I do remember hearing about him being... Because uh... I think she killed his kids, too. I think it was like... Oh, cool. Are you sure you're not thinking of that Anthony Jeselnik uh, special that just came out? No. I, he's all about yeah, the... Was... Uh... <laughs> it wasn't as good, man. It was good. <laughs> it wasn't as good, but it was good. It was good. I actually need to... Um... Yeah, it, it was... Uh, good news, it was just a murder-suicide. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Jeez. On the plus side, kids are still alive, and uh, they have to deal with that knowledge for the rest of their lives. You wanna, do you want to know? In, actually, I don't even know if they have kids. Oh, they do, yeah. Do you want to know uh, an interesting factoid? So you watch It's Always Sunny, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to know what their the Hartman household was named? What Phil Hartman named their house? No, The no, Ponderosa. Oh, nice. <laughs> Weird. That is strange. I wonder if that's where... Well, I, wonder, I guess I'd have to figure out what that means in the first place. Um, Who knows, man. So, you've been watching uh, anything? What do you watch? I've been watching uh, very little. I, I, my wife and I watched The Office on repeat ever since we got married, basically. And uh, we fall asleep to that every night. I have a bad uh, ability inability to pay attention to things so it's really hard for me to actually sit down and watch anything i'll i watched uh the avengers endgame of course like everybody in america did this hey, last week thoughts comments concerns uh it was it was fine it was fine <laughs> it was fine he says dude uh creamed corn is fine uh lightly salted french fries are fine uh, uh i i liked Anthony it i'm Hopkins not is fine I, I'm a I'm a big Star Wars nerd. I'm not as much okay. a Marvel nerd. Um, okay. I the explosions in action I have a hard time focusing on uh, a lot of the time. I like them. I don't have any issues with them. I just don't care as much as some people do. It was good. I, I feel like the what they accomplished with the movie is something that uh, is borderline an impossibility. So I certainly applaud them for it, and it, it's it's great in that aspect. But I just don't care as much as most people do about the franchise in its entirety. So. Are we cooking up a new conspiracy? What? Is it so impossible that <laughs> there had to be some behind the scenes wheeling? They made a dealing. deal with the devil to make adventure, devil. Uh, adventures <laughs> and game. <laughs> um, That's what so it's called, adventures. So how stoked are you on uh, uh, The Last Skywalker? I mean, Rise of Skywalker. Um. I am quite stoked. Um, On a scale of I, one I, I, to Snoke, how snoked are you? <laughs> is Snoke above or below one? It's hard to He's judge 10. on this scale. He's 10. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I would say that Snoke is about a 10. 
Um, yeah, I'm excited for it, of course, uh, just to see how they conclude, quote-unquote, conclude the saga. Um, I mean, I I have faith in J.J. Abrams as a director, but I also know that J.J. Abrams is not the best concluder to stories. So, That's I don't thing. know. I, I've heard different theories on how the story could go, and most of them I would be totally happy with. One I just heard today that seems really plausible it's like, please, for the love of God, don't don't send it in that direction. It was actually made by a guy who had insider information for from somebody who very accurately predicted the plot line of the Force Awakens. So hopefully they're wrong, but I'm I'm excited either way. Even if it sucks, I'm excited. So yeah, okay. It's well, a it's I'm a fucking that. movie. That, all yeah. in all, it's it's a movie. Like I'm not going to be butt hurt either no, way. Like not. the rest Take of the internet. Back. I will be. I will be. <laughs> Star Wars is life. Star Wars is life. Um. So we're going to get to – I have an interview with Chris Kratzer who just wrote a book called Leatherbound Terrorism. It's awesome. It was an awesome interview. Uh, It's basically um, everything really wrong with conservative evangelicalism and why it's Hmm. of the devil, if you will. Uh, It was really fun. I do want to – You're saying evangelicalism is terrorism? Yes, Correct. I think, Sweet. I think that's what he's getting at. Yeah. Uh, Only those are radical Christians, right? Evangelical. How would you combine those words? Uh, where's George Um So I wanted to plug also, finally, after a long time, I got the Church and Other Drugs merch store up and running. We have a store frontier, so I have... I'm just going to be uploading t-shirt designs like they're going out of freaking style. Uh, you say storefront here or store frontier? Storefront here and i'm gesturing at my lower regions no like store frontier frontier, store frontier (laughs) which you should look into that dan um john ladd who i interviewed from seven the band 710 split you ever heard of them i've heard of the band i don't i'm not familiar so he uh started this company it's one of those made to order things so there's no upfront cost you just load all your designs and whenever someone orders it they print the shirt send it to you no big deal so if you want to check some of those designs out i got some awesome Robert Downey Jr. I'm going to do a whole line on uh, pop culture drug addicts is, is, I think, what I'm going for. Sweet. Um, anybody from Hollywood, probably. Anybody from Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> Brian Singer, looking at you. Um, <laughs> storefrontier.com backslash church and other drugs. Go check it out. It's all really – I set the, the profit margin the lowest because I don't really care. I just want people to wear the shirts. I think it's a – I think it's a it's, it's a blast. It's the It's the – what did he say? I was watching what we do in the shadows last night, and they had a really ridiculous euphemism. It was uh, the cat's pajamas. No, no, it was that. It was the dog's <laughs> knackers. That was it. It's the dog's <laughs> knackers. Nice. Yeah, really so, all right, on to the interview. Champion, but that book seems a tad bit outdated. 
All right, so I'm here with Chris Katzer. Chris, where uh, where are you coming from? I am here in Shelby, North Carolina, and it's Kratzer. Kratzer, I'm sorry. Gosh, that's good. Bad start. Bad start. <laughs> where um, I'm actually from South Carolina originally. Where is where is Shelby at? Okay, so it's outside of Charlotte, about 40 minutes, going kind of towards Asheville. Oh, okay. We, me yeah. and um. Me and my wife went to visit my parents. We went to Biltmore uh, for Easter. Yeah, yeah, we're not far from that at all. Yeah, I love it out there. We, um, I'm from Columbia yeah. originally. Oh, cool. Yeah, I went to seminary there at uh, that CIU seminary there. No, I went to Lutheran seminary, um, uh, Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary up there on the, I guess it's North Main Street or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. How long have uh, you been out in Shelby? Uh, gosh, we've been here maybe seven, eight, nine years. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Gosh. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of time. So, to uh, to people that may not be familiar, give give us a little uh, background of of uh, who you are and the new book you just came out with. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, I started off. Um, in ministry 20 some years ago and uh started actually off as a lutheran guy um and went to seminary got married uh pastored a couple of churches in the lutheran denomination uh and then about five years in um just had a big change of heart um interestingly enough in a in a much more conservative way um and uh long story short uh, decided to switch denominations and move over into the Southern Baptist uh, gig, and um, that is quite a change. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, you know, pastored a couple few, well, more than a few churches in that denomination, and just really, you know, took that whole evangelicalism thing hook, line, and sinker, and. Um, uh, and then I just came to the end of it. Um, you know, the book really lays out a big part of that journey and um, to where um, basically it nearly cost me my life. Um, and certainly um, I just realized that none of that stuff crap was working. And um, in fact, it not only wasn't working, it was making me into a much worse kind of person. Right. Um, and uh, so um, over a process, um, I stepped away from it all and uh, made a huge transition in my faith and um, uh, you know, became a, an affirming pastor and uh, I guess you could say progressive, though I, you know, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But um, yeah, so I had a big big huge awakening and turnaround from all that and uh and uh, right around that time when it all came together for me i started writing seriously and uh like one of my first blog posts um just went viral overnight i wasn't even trying um just just literally just went crazy and that was kind of the beginning of the end for me where i just started writing and writing and writing about all these kind of things and um and now here i am talking to you <laughs> right i know and so and so your new book is leather bound terrorism and um when i was uh 
looking up on it, um, I came across your on your website the why modern Christianity makes people vomit, and I thought <laughs> this, this this is just perfect. And and if you if you would oblige, I kind of want to just go through a few of these uh, headliners and just get you to elaborate on it. Cool. So the yeah. the because I'm reading through it, I'm like, yeah, check, check, check. That's um, it's a lot of the same. Um, yep. I won't say gripes, but I guess issues I have with it as well. But so the first thing sure. you have there are we know you are faking it. Yeah. Well, that's all you can do. I mean, you know, and I had to come to an honesty about my. And I really had to come to terms with being truly honest with myself and the journey that I was taking in conservative evangelicalism. And, you know, it's not what I wanted to hear. It's not what other people who want to hear who are in that system, but it's a, it's a dadgum truth. I mean, all you can do is fake it. There's, there's, because it's all performance based and, and, you know, everybody's performance has an expiration date. It all, we all break down, you know, we, we can't, you know, all the sermons that we're taught and all the things that we're supposed to do in order to keep and maintain a relationship with God and, and perform and, you know, do our part for Jesus and all that crap. Um, eventually that breaks down. If you're honest, you realize I can't, and I, you know, there's, I'm never going to meet the expectations. I'm never going to be able to do enough. And so what happens is when you realize that if you're an honest person, then, then you start to have to negotiate in terms of faking it. You have to start, you know, pretending and, and putting on a veneer that makes, you know, makes you look spiritual on the outside, but you know, it's not really happening uh, you know, on the inside. Um, and that, that's been my experience. And I know it's been the experience of countless other people that, you know, you just have to resign in your mind that I can't live an authentic life because if I do, then it's going to be found out that I'm faking it. What would you say in, in your experience in that ministry, what would you say is some of the most common ways or things people have to fake? Well, you have to fake faithfulness. Mm. I mean, I mean, who, who's ever praying enough, right? Right. Right. You know, if you, <laughs> I mean, you think about like the sermons that we have, that you listen to, I mean, you could spend a lifetime just trying to do one of them. And yet the next right. Sunday we got to go in and we're going to, you know, we're going to try to, to add on another five steps to your marriage, six steps to this, 10 steps to that. I mean, how many steps are you going to take here? <laughs> and, you know, it's like that old, it's like that old game he played as kids where, you know, you hit one, it's like this little toy, you had a hammer and this little, little knobs were up and you hit one knob and another knob would come yeah, up. Yeah, whack them you know? all. Well, that's it. And it's the same thing. You know, I get one sin down, I get one principle down, and then there's another one that comes up. And then I got to go try to do that thing. I got to try to have a better marriage and how to be a better parent and all this. And, and none of it works. It doesn't work. As a matter of fact, it makes it worse because you're, you're, you're really trying. Right. And, and, you know, <clears throat> one place, you know, a writer in the Bible, I think he got it right. He said, you know, it's the law that entices us to sin. In other words, this idea that I can fulfill these things and I can, that I can make it, that I can perform my way out of this. If I just get a, you know, a running head start towards these things, I can, I can subdue them. And it, it, it's that, it's that message that actually entices people to do more, you know, in terms of, you know, negative stuff. And, and, and you're, you become more imprisoned to the very things that you think you're, you know, getting free from. And, uh, and I realized you know, none of it was working. I wasn't becoming a better person. I was becoming a worse person. I was more judgmental. I was more critical. 
uh, more insecure, uh, more of a phony, uh, you know, false pride, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, and uh, all the sin that I was trying to manage didn't get any better. And that that's really a pretty pretty good indicator. You know, when the fruit's not growing, um, you know, it's a pretty good indicator. You know, something's not going going well. Something's not right. Yeah, and that that was as as I've said before. It, that's a- absolutely like one of the big things I struggle, but mainly struggled with a lot worse in my past was was legalism, and um, I was always a very guilt driven um Christian, and then um, I became a uh, drug addict and alcoholic, and you know I've since gotten sober from that, but that that was what fueled a lot of it. Um. And so I, I always told, towed the weird line of like in when I was using, I would kind of lean heavily into grace. It, it was, it's, it's funny. I, I'm kind of realizing as I'm saying it, but I would leave lean heavily into grace and be like, well, I mean, I'm covered by the blood. So, you know, it doesn't matter if I shoot heroin or whatever. These are like real rationalizations I had in my head. And then when I would sure. get clean and I'm in my right mind, that's when I would just get wrecked with guilt. And if I forgot to, uh, hit my knees in prayer, I would be like, oh my God, here comes the wrath. I'm going to get put back into my old life because I'm not doing A, B, and C correctly. And it's just yep. this, and that is an awful, awful way to live. And it's, it's, it's hell. it really is. It really is hell. And it's, it's been, um, my journey, I guess the past like four or five years trying to find the balance of understanding that there's nothing I can do that's going to be enough and God's not going to love me less or more. Um, yeah. It's, I guess w- what did you find that finally helped you when you said it wasn't helping any of your sin problems or anything? Like what was the thing that kind of finally helped you to grow as a better person? Yeah. So the deal for me was uh, one of the, uh, my pastor uh, has been, gosh, my pastor for a very long part of my life, uh, particularly beginning, you know, my, when I started ministry on up and, um, he said, man, Chris, I, I want you to, he literally called me up and says, Hey man, you need to start listening to some of these teachings on grace. And he, you know, he, he led me to a couple of different people who were, you know, beginning to kind of lead the way in that, in that movement, so to speak. And I started listening to course, you know, when you grew up in a legalistic system, like, you know, the both of us have done. And you hear the message of pure grace, not 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 conditional grace, which is a lot of what you have out there, but pure grace, man, it just it's gonna screw screw with your mind. Yeah. And so I re- I, I literally would listen to these people teach and read and all that kind of stuff, and I did it for months religiously. And finally, one day, it just clicked on me. It just it was like that the reason why nothing is working in my life is because I'm not resting in grace. And, and and if I would simply rest in real, pure, unconditional, irreversible, all-inclusive, uh, irrevocable grace, then that's going to change everything in my entire mind and heart and my awakening to what I truly have with God. And that process of getting there with that, is what changed everything for me. It just flipped it all over and upside down. And, um, and that caused me to, of course, you know, once you've, once you've tasted grace and you, and you really 
you know, you start to really get a hold of that, then you look at everything different. You know, the Bible looks completely different and people look different and issues look different and your life looks different. Your marriage looks different. Your kids look different. Everything looks different. And that's really what changed it all for me. Who were some of the teachers you were listening to? Well, the entry drug for me into that <laughs> world was, um, was, uh, uh, oh crap. Now he's, um, now his name is escaping me. Um, over in Singapore, what's this guy's name? Um, shoot. Um, <laughs> that's the enemy uh, getting, getting in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I spent some time, um, God, what is the guy's name? Hold on a second. I don't even, I can even look it up here for crying out loud. But yeah, he was, um, um, that was the, the main guy. Then there was people like Steve McVeigh later on, um, that did that. And, um, you know, uh, Brennan Manning and, yeah. you know, some other, some other folks like that down the road, um, were, um, you know, a big part of that, you know, um, let me see if I can pull this guy up here. Uh, let's see. What is that guy's name? Well, I'll keep researching as we talk. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No um, problem. No, um, Brennan, Brennan's great, too, and he's a fellow alcoholic. That's what, that's what um, I think a, a few rehabs ago, my mom had gotten me a, a book of one of his, and that really kind of blew my mind. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, though. Well, I want to keep... Uh, so the next Joseph Prince. Joseph Prince. Okay. I have yeah. Not... Now that was. Now I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not on the same. You know, just make sure everybody out there knows that I'm not definitely not in sync with where he's at on a lot of things. But he was the entry drug to that. He was the sure. He was the gateway to that. You know, he, he, that's what opened the world to me. And then of course, you know, I kind of grew up, grew grew past that or grew different than that. Sure. Uh, where he's at, but um, yeah. Okay. So the the next thing you wrote here was you say stupid stuff you think is spiritual. Yeah, all the time. And then it is amazing to me. One of the, one of the, and and I you know I went through a period you know where I really when I started coming out of this, and it, 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 listen, conservative evangelicalism is a drug. There's no question about it. It is a psychological spiritual drug, and um, it appeals to the flesh like nothing else does. And the flesh to me is not your body. It's not your desire to sin. The flesh to me is anything that you do to try to earn or gain or keep that which you already have with God. Hmm. So um, hmm. it, it just entices that, and uh, and it is a drug. Uh, but we say, and, and one of the things that, that happened for me is I came out of this system, you know, you realize, you know, when you get sober, you look at it and you go, holy shit. What in the world was I doing? Yeah. And one of the one of the things that 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 slapped me in the face is when I when I when I'd still you know hear and talk to some of my old evangelical buddies, and they would say these things, and you go, that is so dumb, <laughs> and it's so ridiculous, and and you realize, oh my god, that was me. Yeah. Listen, he say, hey, they'd be like, hey, hey, brother Chris, man, you just you just need to press into the Lord. What? What the hell right. is that? Right. What is, what is pressing into the Lord? Hey, listen, man, you just need to bury your head in the Word of God. What the hell is that? And and those are the stupid things. You're like, oh, listen, God doesn't give you any more than you can handle. That is yeah. dumb. That's oh, the kind well, of stuff. Listen, 
Listen, no, man, listen, God, just pray harder, man. Just pray. Pray until God does something. There you go. That's what you need to do. Right. And I, I just had on a, a personal example, I, I was helping um, I was helping a friend try to get sober, and I hadn't heard from him in a while. And um, he just came back up in my life, and he's doing well, but he had ended up uh, going back out for a good long while. And I asked him what had happened, and he had uh, – he had struggled for years with porn and he had been like in the ministry and stuff. And the last thing that got him was his pastor came up to him and said, you know, I think the reason that you haven't beaten this is because you you haven't fully repented. And he was like, what the hell? Like I've spent my life repenting and it just, that, that set him over the edge and all. And he was, that that made him go screw God, screw church, screw all of this. If you're just going to tell me that. And it almost seems to me like it almost, I don't know how much you buy into the, um, spiritual, but when you said like, how can you believe something like that? It almost seems like people are literally, I don't know if they're so faking it that they bought their own lies or if there's like a literal spiritual veil over them because it's 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 like how how can you read the same bible that I read and read about the Pharisees and just not understand that that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. The and that's the thing. I mean Jesus flips it all. I mean you know I, you know you hear evangelical pastors and other pastors you know Oh well, you know we we live in a lost world. It's the lost people. We, listen, the lost people are the people who are really lost. Is American Christianity a, a good part of it? That's the lost and dying world, and and, and everything gets flipped over. Um, you know, and Paul, I think, kind of identified that. He's like, you know, hey, listen, you know, to you know, to those of you, you've you've exchanged this 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 gospel of grace for another one. And let you be accursed. You know that's what he said. You know I think he was starting to get a hold of this fact that that man anything anything shy of complete pure unconditional grace is no longer the gospel. Anything anything less than that. Any I mean just a just a centimeter less of that. Um, it, it's not it, and it's false. And so you know when you know of course you know. Everybody says, you know, well, why, you know, the, the reason why there's such a moral decline in America is because of the world, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and people, you know, not going to church and not believing in the Bible and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's actually the opposite. They're, you know, the, the, very, the very thing that, that much of American Christianity is teaching is the very thing that's increasing immorality because they're, 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 they're pimping the poison as the cure. I mean, huh. I mean, the, the Southern Baptists have the highest divorce rate. Divorce rate amongst right. atheists is 20%. Conservative Oof. evangelicalism is 50% divorce rate. Um, so the, the, it doesn't work. And, and like we've been talking about earlier, you just get better at, at, at convincing yourself and everybody else around you that you're all that in a bag of chips when, when, when deep down inside you're really not. Do you think that we're experiencing, um, I don't even know what, I guess it'd be a reformation, a revival, whatever, I don't really know what word to use for it, but do you think we're going through another upheaval where we're at a crossroads and people are, it seems like people are waking up more to this, to what's kind of going on, and that there is 
splits going on. There's that whole exvangelical thing going on. There's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, do yeah. you think we're in the middle of something like that? Yeah, I think I think finally, you know, you know, it, it's playing out. It's been playing out long enough that that now you can start to see the forest from the trees. Now you now you can see, hey, what what is this really creating? What kind of what what are the real fruits that grow on this tree? What are the real ramifications of when you play this belief system out in your life, and you and and you and you and you go after it, you know, and you really really apply these principles. What in the world do you become? And I think people are starting to compare and contrast a little bit and say, you know what? Holy crap! I I you know my life isn't better; it's worse, and and. I'm a less loving person. I'm a more judgmental person. I'm a more critical person. I'm a more distant person. Um, and I'm a more uh, prideful, arrogant, pretentious, uh, racist, white privileged. You know, and, and when you start to look in the mirror a little bit, if you can be honest, I think people are waking up and going, this is not right. When, when you know, when 40% of the transgender community are committing suicide, primarily at the hands of Christian condemnation, someone yeah. will wake up and say, hey, is this, is this really what, what Jesus had in mind here? And then when we get to the whole thing about hell, when I, when I evaluate, when I, when I think of myself, okay, here I am as a human parent, right? Hell would be like if I, if I told my kids, hey, listen, guys, I'm going to create this big bonfire in the back here, okay? And it's blazing the hell hot. Here's what's going to happen. I love you so much, son and daughter, and kids, I love you so much. Let me tell you how much I love you. I love you so much that if you don't love me back in return in the exact ways that I want you to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in that fire pit, white hot fire pit, and I'm not going to, and, you, and you're not going to be able to die. And you're going to be in that forever. That's how much I love you. Oh, it's and so, yeah. When you, when you start playing things out and you start using the yeah. mind that God actually gave you, and in the wisdom that God gave you, and you realize, oh my gosh, there's something terribly wrong. And then, you know, when people wake up and they actually read a couple of books, and they realize, oh my gosh, there's a whole lot more to these issues than I thought, you know. And you expose yourself to some knowledge and some, you know, Dante's Inferno and all these other things and history and 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 stuff. You start to go, oh God, man, I've been duped. Yeah, I have been freaking brainwashed. Yeah. I mean, that's really, to be honest with you, Jeff, that's really how I feel spiritually brainwashed, you know, well, is what it feels like when you come out of it. It's cult-like. I mean, in, in a lot of ways. It, it, it is cult. Listen, look, 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 listen, look, look at what's happening with Trump now. Look at the cult of it's, that, the mindset yes. of that, that. And that has come purely, purely out of conservative evangelicalism. Purely. That whole system of faith has created him as a, as, as a, uh, I mean, he is just the middle finger of conservative evangelicalism. It's, it's, Trump is God's way of Christian saying, fuck you, this yeah. is our country, this is our white country, whale privilege, we're not going to be about gay people, we're not letting any immigrants in here, it's going to be white, heterosexual male people, that's who God wants America to be, fuck you. That's, that's how- Trump is a... No, yeah, 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 absolutely, and it's it's that's. I hope I'm not, hope I'm not saying bad words. No, 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 no. You're you're <laughs> <laughs> you're way good. There's no other word that really describes it. Um, no, and that that's why I I, I truly. That's why I have to. The only thing that I can wrap my mind around is that it's some kind of like, 
you are literally being that misled because it's like, how can you look at someone like that, read read what Jesus is about, and go, yeah, you know, that's my guy. That's that's a Jesus loving fella right there. It's just like I I that that I don't understand. But see, they don't care. See, they don't give a crap about that. And that, it's been that way in churches. I mean, what yeah, you have yeah. in Washington is just a microcosm of church, or a macrocosm, Oof. you know, of church. Because, you know, um, they, they really, listen, they'll tolerate as much sin as it requires for them to preserve their power and privilege. Yeah, that's Simple true. As that. and, they will, they, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, um, go ahead. And I was gonna say when I when when trying to trace roots of this when I think when I try to put myself um, well when I put myself in it when I was fully more into this belief system my motivations if I am completely honest were one hundred percent heaven and hell my my motivation was heaven my fear was hell and even yep. still when I it sounds so funny, but when when I think when I get too guilty about being covered by grace, where does yeah. that fear and guilt come from? It's because it, in the back of my mind, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. That that real yeah. there's nothing. What else is there to be afraid of? Right? You know, I, I I'm yeah. If you take if you take hell and the inerrancy of the Bible, if you take those two things out of conservative evangelicalism, their whole system falls apart. The ground. Yeah, the the Death Star implodes and explodes right in front of you. It's and, and see that's the see that is the real evil of conservative evangelicalism is they they can play that hell card and they can play that biblical inerrancy card and the sin card and and, and even when you come out of it you're gonna you're gonna twitch. I twitched for I still every once in a while have a twitch. I mean you're, right. you're gonna have a little twitch that says oh shit maybe I am wrong and I am you know. I am in danger of going to hell. You have those little nanosecond thoughts every once in a while because, man, that's that's the level of abuse that's been just, you know, triggered into you. Um, but, I mean, that, I mean, if you're going to concoct an evil system, how brilliant is conservative evangelicals? Oh, it's it's genius. Well, and so I, I was going to ask, uh, so what what are your thoughts on hell because it's even still i guess where i'm at is annihilation because i just still don't know what to do with like the warning verses and it's he still seems to jesus still seems to be warning about something right where did you kind of land with all that well where i'm at today (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, there we go what are you currently at yeah well i i do i you know there is a support if you're gonna if you're gonna look at it in terms of what can the bible support in terms of our, our view on that um there is support with the idea that hell is not in the absence of god there's a place in revelations where it speaks that god is present um and so i believe that hell is what that heaven you know it's like dallas willard one that said one time he said that the flames of hell the flames of heaven will be much hotter than the flames of hell could ever be. And what he was driving at is the idea that heaven is this place where, where it's so filled with grace and inclusiveness and joy and peace and all the things that Jesus is about that the religious experiences hell. I mean, that oh, would be, man. I mean, 
if if you took Franklin Graham and you stuck him in a heaven full of gay people where God's just loving it and that, that they've been always a part of the divine order and you know transgender people are just just a creative thread of God's you know tapestry and 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 it God's all of, you know, all that stuff and it's a party and it's a you know that would be hell for them would it not Oh yeah, it it makes me want to. It makes that just gave me an idea for like an SNL yeah. sketch: Franklin Graham in yeah. Gay Heaven. Yeah, uh, and so yeah. One, I think it's in I think it's in James where you know I'd have to go back and look because my memory isn't always correct. So for anybody who's listening who's a Bible thumper, you'll just have to give me a little break here. Yeah. But listen, here's the deal: it's James said something about putting heaping white hot coals, you know, over people. In other words, that that, that the same the same sun that warms, you know, a cold day is also the same sun that, that melts, you know, something in a negative way. So the same grace that, that, that just comforts and heals and brings freedom to the oppressed and, you know, all those good things is the same grace that infuriates and punishes and, um, you know, has a kind of, white hot wrath to it to the people who have a religious spirit huh do you, so what do you do so you when you re, when you really turn up see, see heaven to me is where where god where i mean when you really turn up the see the wrath of god the word wrath actually means a seeking out for that which one desires to possess and it's god's grace wait say, say that for me one more time i want to internalize yeah. that one yeah, so wrath, the word wrath there is the seeking out to possess that which something – to possess that which something de- someone desires. It's a seeking out. It's this, it's this um, fierce desire to possess that which some, something desires, you know? What? And so, yeah. And so that word is, is – so when you think about that God just desires people – to awaken to grace, that's that's the white hot love of God that's just turned up to its hottest, and 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 to to you and me who realize we're broken and realize that you know and 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 who, who cherish equality and justice and mercy and compassion, that's such a beautiful thing that we just can't get enough of. But to those who who hate that. They receive it as the the negative side of wrath, which is, you know, the the tormenting. Oh do do you think there is so um, so? Do you think there is? I guess it would be. I mean, is there like an ultimate destination? Do you think there will be some kind of ultimate split, or kind of in the end, no, everyone will no, wind think- up? Well, I, I do think there's somewhat, uh, you know, I don't know, but in my mind, my sure, hope, yeah, these my are just experiment, thought my, my, yeah, yeah. I mean, my thought is that that heaven, that it's all one place. I mean, there's no place you can go where Jesus, you know, there, this idea that we can separate from God, that, that that's an impossibility. There can be no place where God is not, and, uh, and where Jesus is not. You can't call Jesus, you know, all the things and God, all the things that He is, and, and yet have a place called hell. It's impossible. Oh, uh, that that's. So it's, that's what someone just quoted the last episode we did. That's awesome. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so that's an impossibility anyway. So so it's in the presence of God. So it's going to be in the presence of God. 
the difference between heaven and hell, though, is is I think Jesus began to kind of allude to that. He says, you know, hey, when did you feed me? When did you clothe me? When you know you saw me naked and you didn't? And he's, I think he's tipping his hat there and saying, listen, guys, you're going to be eternally alive, you know, because I created you that way. Okay, this this you know this whole earth you know existence that you have right now, this is just something you know that 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 is not. This is just this is going somewhere. And and so this is where you need to learn because we're going to be doing this forever. And if you want to live in hell forever, like your own like created hell, then yeah. But I'm I'm hoping you're going to learn. And you know, hopefully, you know, when you really, perhaps when you die and you really the 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 and you truly awaken to the full communion and union that you really already have with Christ. You know, and you really awaken to that, it's either going to feel a lot worse or it's going to get a lot better. And, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, are people going to have a choice in the matter or do they grow out of it? Do they? I don't know. I don't know all those answers, but you know, that's kind of where I'm at with that kind of issue. I that <laughs> that just like lit me up in a good way. That's so awesome. Yeah. Like it's man. It's so easy to forget that it's supposed to be good news, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it is good news. Listen, it's not supposed. It is good news. It's the best news that ever could. Listen, you can't. If you can imagine a better news, then it's not the gospel, right? Oof. So then, so it's the best news that's possible. It's the, it's it can't be gospel if it's not the best news possible. But it's the worst news to people who for the religious see. And, and it's in in not because they're going to be tormented and burning in fire, but because it's going to just totally incinerate the religious spirit, and 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 they'll realize, oh my God, you know, we were wrong about all this. Yeah, yeah, change. I mean, that's, change, you know, change I mean, is painful. It is, and and you know, and then I mean, how 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 much hell would that be if you're in a place where there's this huge party? And it's celebrating all the things that you hated on earth. Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. That's hell. <sighs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah the the worst. I mean, a massively xenophobic person just up there surrounded by Muslims and gay people and yeah. black people, yeah. and they're like, "What is this?" But yeah, and everyone just having a fantastic unifying time. But it, it would literally. Yeah. That hell for the racist would be surrounded by people that they hated, no matter what yeah. their their state of being. Wow. And I think it, I think it's really important, you know, that part of part of for me personally, the one of the most pivotal parts of my transitioning um, in faith has been when I started to realize that it's more important for me to read the mind of Christ within me than it is to read, you know, words about Christ in a book Ooh. or, you know, and elaborate and, on that one. Cause I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. Because see, see the, when you take out the inherency and the ultimate authority of the Bible, then conservative evangelicalism's ability to control and manipulate is, is severely disarmed. And, when you start to real, when you start to see, you know, 
I think the mind of Christ, you know, um, is important in within you because it, it, it has to be, that's where you really know who Jesus is in contrast to what theories are posed in the Bible. You know, you really get to learn who God is from his presence within you than words written about God by humans in a book. Those are important, but I think you have to realize those people who wrote the Bible um, really have no more authority than me or you. They're just speaking on behalf of their best guesses. Um, You know, as and 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 this idea that those people somehow—I mean, when you realize how the Bible was even put together in the you know the books of the Bible were canonized. I mean, it was—I mean, it was like going to, to Las Vegas and, you know, gambling, you know, out, who's going to make it? What book's going to make it in the cut? And and so when you start to realize, gosh, you know, there's so... And then you, then you kind of step back and you go, you know, God, there's a lot of other religions out there who, who teach some of these same exact things, have these same narratives, and you go, you know what, maybe God's a lot bigger than I imagined. You know, maybe, you know, uh, you know, maybe, you know, this Bible isn't the all, be all, inherent, God spoken, you know, revelation of Himself and His will. Well, um, the, but yet, yeah, go ahead. Well, and I was going to say, and in, in, um, the pushback that comes to mind for me is then how do you. I guess because, and once again, this will probably be more applicable personally to me, is that I have a mind that, in a lot of regards, is just trying to kill me. So how do I, without some sort of authoritative, objective truth, how how can I trust that what I'm interpreting as the the Christ in me, the Jesus in me, is correct? air quotes correct but what, does but, that make sense what do you I, I understand but i think we make a mistake when we assume that the bible is objective truth sure and authoritative truth you know i sure. think that's where we get into a problem to think well really is it i mean how objective is that thing or do you think and, it is untrue uh, would you go that far or just no i don't, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I don't know if it's un. Well, i think parts of it are untrue absolutely i mean i don't think um you know i don't think that you know, there's big portions that I don't definitely don't think re- reflect the true nature and will and what God truly did. Absolutely. You know, uh, I don't think God really came in there and ordered those people to kill women and children. I just don't, you know, um, you know, I think part of it is that you realize, you know, maybe I don't know exactly what God did, but I certainly do know what God didn't do. And he mm, certainly did yeah. do that. And, uh, and so you have you have to read it through the lens of Jesus and through the mind of Christ. When he says, you know what, I'm not sure exactly what happened, and I probably will never know, sure. All I can do is go off this with this one person wrote here, but I can tell you what I know he didn't do, or she did. Sure. And um, um, it certainly wasn't that. So if you had to back it down to uh, its basest level, what would you say you are i guess commanded is the wrong word but what what would you sum up your beliefs about god and what he wants you to what he wants you to do with your life like what are the basic 
<laughs> it's funny. It's hard to avoid religious terms like tenets. But God like, is what love. Would you All right. Yep. God is God love. God is love. Love your neighbors yourself. Simple. Simple, not easy. <laughs> yep. You know. Oh, man. So what yeah, – um, I mean, No, go ahead. No, that's – I mean, that would be – that would be simplified, you know, obviously, but it, it is, I mean, and I think, you know, you ask, well, how do you know? I mean, Paul, Paul, it is, it is, it is sometimes off bases. I find Paul sometimes to be, you know, you see all these writers, they, 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 they get snippets of it that you go, Oh, my spirit says now that, 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 that was dead on. And when Paul was talking about how, how that, you know, that, that, that we are not without excuse, for disbelief, because even in the creation, you can see, you know, even in creation, you can see the the universal truths that are there. So no one has an excuse to say, "Well, I just don't know God. I just don't, you know, I just can't see it. I can't, I can't touch it. I, 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 there's no. I, listen, if you just go outside and you really hone in and you listen to nature and you look at things, you're going to see objective truths get all up in your Kool Aid. And, oh, and then you then man. you then you look at you, you look at yourself as a human being, and you listen to your soul and the spirit of God. You know, and John got it. God, he said, the light that that God has given all men. And of course, you know, we always realize that that's all men and women and everything. Um, but you know, that God, it, John, in the opening of the gospel said, you know, God's put this light within everybody. So so everybody, you know, you've got the external objective truth that you can see. You can't you can't deny that. You can. But it, but it's there, and then you've got this light that God's put within everybody, and then you go, well, wait a minute. So so obviously, if 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 I've got those things, then then I need to put this book into its proper place on the totem pole of Revelation, and it's not at the top. So what is your uh, like practices consist of? Are you a, a meditator? Are you a, what's your prayer life kind of do? What do you What do you fill your days with these days? Man, I love craft beer. I love <laughs> craft. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, this is going to sound kind of weird. I I don't really have a I don't have a thing. I really I'm just I'm just I feel like God's greatest desire is for me to do what I love to do in ways that honor grace. Oh, that you know? is it, freeing to hear. Good grief. I mean, it, that, that means, what does that mean? That means getting up in the morning, enjoying my life, uh, you know, going after the things that I, that I love that are, that are, that can honor grace, you know, and loving my kids, loving my wife, you know, trying to be a, a, a good human being to the people around me, trying to love people, uh, you know, standing in solidarity with the oppressed, you know, kicking some religious oppressors' tails every once in a while. I love doing that. And but to me, I, I, my prayer to me is just living and breathing and just communing. You know, you know, the greatest prayer. You know, Paul said, "Pray always." I think what he's driving at, and honestly, if you really push him out, if I really play out those words, it's not. It's not a command to do something. It's an awakening to that you can you are already praying always because you 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 have a one connection with the God of the universe right within you. I mean, every mm-hmm. time you breathe, you know, when you talk to yourself, there's part of you who's talking to the Creator of the universe. I mean, and the mind of Christ that's within you, and 
And so we're always, you know, everything about us is, is can be or seen as prayerful. Um, so I don't like to have a ritual thing. Maybe I'm bad. I'm maybe a really bad Christian, but I don't, I don't have like a, I don't have a thing. I just, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like that creation is our sanctuary and loving people is our worship. And, um, and well, no, cause God, on the, uh, on the opposite end of that, that that spectrum where I lie sometimes, like when I said that sounds so freeing, is because, I mean, would it I'm sure it doesn't surprise you to hear that I will feel guilty if I've gone too long having fun, enjoying my life, and not thanking God for it. Right? Yeah. It's, well, you know what? God, geez. God, yeah, yeah. I well, and listen, I completely understand it. I'm and I'm there sometimes too. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, but you know. Yeah, that is straight from the pits of hell, man. That I mean, that is just I yeah. Mean, I mean, the biggest the biggest thanks that we can give God is to live in the freedom that we don't have to give Him thanks. Oh man, that is good stuff. Well, so in uh, kind of wrapping it up, Chris, give um, where can everyone? What's your book called? Where can everybody find it and uh, all that? Yeah, so it's Leatherbound Terrorism is the name of the book. You can go to um, Amazon. It's on Amazon.com. And um, you can uh, email me at leatherboundterrorism at gmail.com. And you can read my blog at www.chriskratzer. And that's K-R-A-T-Z-E-R, chriskratzer.com. Man, well, Chris, thank you so much for this. I think uh, I often selfishly use my podcast to just get free therapy, but this has been really awesome, man. Um, <laughs> well, listen, man, I'm completely honored and and enjoy it. And man, let's let's keep the conversation going. And um, yes, yes, please. And if, if I'll post all the links and all that, if anybody has any questions for Chris, please uh, email him or email me, and I'll make sure to get it to him. And uh, Check out his book, Leatherbound Terrorism. Chris, thank you so much, brother. I will hopefully talk to you soon, okay? Oh, man, thank you so much, buddy. Have a great day. You too. Okay, bye-bye.